0: you are listening to Press Church Podcast, please enjoy this week's message. We're going to start by reading a passage found in Luke chapter 19. It's a story that we've probably heard as we get close to and around Easter. And we're going to read in Luke chapter 19 Starting in verse 28, we're going to go through some scriptures as we read this story. In Luke chapter 19, verse 28, it starts when he, talking about Jesus, we see he being capitalized, had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem, verse 29, and it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany and the mountain called Olivet, and he sent two of his disciples, verse 30, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. Verse 31 says, And if anyone asks you why are you loosing it, thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owner of them said, Why are you loosing the colt? Verse 34, And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they sat Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Verse 37, Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives... The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. We finish in verse 38 saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now this is the story of Jesus and the triumphal entry. And it happened on Palm Sunday. Well, Palm Sunday is actually next Sunday. And we're going to do this little bit of a mini-series. We're going to start talking today, and we're going to finish this next week as we go into Easter, as we look at this story in regards to the triumphal entry. This story can be found in all four Gospels, all different Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record this story with different interpretations of what's going on. But the whole idea is that the sacrificial lamb, Jesus himself, is coming into the temple, the great city of Jerusalem, to be the sacrifice for the world. He is finishing his ministry, and he is walking in, just like in the Old Covenant, he is that sacrificial lamb, that perfect, spotless, clean, beautiful lamb, and he is coming in, We see in the Old Testament, the temple to be sacrificed, to atone for the sins of mankind. And he walks in to Jerusalem, and he's riding on a donkey. Now, right before this happens, Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead. The day before he rides in on the donkey, it records in the book of John, that he just raised Lazarus from the dead. And so there is this excitement that's going on. There's this buzz that's going on. Because in Jerusalem, they're about to celebrate a feast. They're about to celebrate the Passover. The Passover is celebrating when the Israelites left slavery, when they were removed out of Egypt to go to the promised land. And so they celebrate that every year. And Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead. And there's a buzz in the air of Jerusalem because all these people are coming to the town for the Passover to celebrate. And as they're getting ready to celebrate, they're getting more excited because they're asking and they're trying to figure out, is Jesus going to show up here? Because it says in the book of John that many, many people believed after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, I would have believed. A man who had been dead for four days walked to the tomb, walked to the grave, yelled at his name, and he came walking out of the casket. If I was standing there or I heard the story about it, I would probably say, well, that guy's probably special. I'm probably going to pay a little bit of attention to him. So the buzz is growing as the festival is about to begin, but it grows in its intensity as they find out that Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. And Jesus sets it all up, gets on a donkey, and rides in. And as he rides in, it says that the disciples are taking off their clothes and putting them on the donkey. They put Jesus on there as he's the one-man parade coming in, and as people recognize that he's coming in, all of a sudden there are other people showing up and it says they're taking off their clothes. Hopefully they brought a change of clothes and they're not just all standing there naked celebrating, but they're throwing their clothes in front on the ground as Jesus is walking in and they're saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In Mark chapter 11, we see a, a, another account of what they were also saying and what they were doing. When Jesus came in, in Mark chapter 11, verse 8, it says, And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Verse 9 says, Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We see that phrase right there. They weren't just uttering a phrase that they made up. Hey what would be a good song that we could sing what they're saying and what they're quoting is the same verse that we just read in regards to giving in Psalms 118, verse 25 and 26, where verse 26 says, "'Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.'" So they're not just making up a song. They're not just saying whatever they feel. They are quoting scriptures. They are, they are believing that this is the Messiah that has come to save them, and he, they cry out, "'Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.'" And we continue in verse 10 that says, blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And do I have a verse 11? I don't think I do. You see, at this point in time in history, the Jewish people were under Roman rule, Roman reign, and they had heard through prophecies that there was a Messiah coming, that there was a Savior coming. And that he was going to be a descendant of the greatest of kings, according to the Jewish people, King David. And that Messiah and that Savior was going to come and restore the kingdom of David. And they have seen this man, Jesus, do these miracle signs and wonders. And they've continually watched him. And now the crescendo of his ministry as he's raised this well-known person back from life and he's coming in to Jerusalem and he just so happens to be coming in at the exact moment that they are about to celebrate being delivered from their slavery, being delivered from their tyranny, being delivered from an oppressive government that this man comes riding in to town. And they start getting excited. Hosanna. Hosanna is the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he that comes with the kingdom of our father David. Because their understanding was he's about to raise up an army. And we are about to kick Julius Caesar's butt out of Jerusalem. And he's going to sit on the throne. But the scripture says... That God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And what the Jewish people at that time thought would have been a great thing, but it wasn't God's total plan because God's plan was not to overthrow the Romans and overthrow the Roman oppressors. His plan was to overthrow the oppressor of Adam that started way back in Genesis. And his plan wasn't to establish a kingdom on the physical earth. His plan was to establish God's kingdom inside his people. And so that he could give them the freedom and the authority to come against the oppression of the devil. That's not what the Jewish people thought. They thought our king is here and he is going to take over. So how does the Savior of the Jewish people, enter. How does the king enter? His triumphal entry into Jerusalem is found on a lowly donkey. But we see that the prophet Zechariah prophesied this story years and years and decades before. Let's look at Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Zechariah, being inspired by the Lord, being a prophet in the Old Testament, writes this prophetic story. Scripture, this prophetic word, and he says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. If I was sitting there and I was transcribing for Zechariah at the time, I would stop after that. I would say, wait, time out, let's revisit that wonderful thing. You start off so strong, so powerful, so exciting, and you finish this sentence talking about a donkey. Rejoice greatly. Shout, all you daughters of Jerusalem. Your king is coming. And that king that is coming is just and has salvation. And what should come after that? He comes in riding on a great stallion. He comes in on a tank. He comes in on a Ferrari. He comes in flying in on an eagle with an American flag draped around him. He comes in on a jet plane. You can use any of those things, Zechariah. Please, plagiarize me and take those. And He says, no, what the Lord is prophesying me to say is that he's coming in Lowly and riding on a donkey. Okay, let's just write that. Let's leave that and let's leave that alone. He said, well, actually, it's a colt. It's a a baby donkey. It's not even a full-grown donkey. The king of kings is not riding a grand stallion or a steed, but a lowly baby donkey. But we have to recognize and we have to understand that this is definitely not a normal entrance for a normal king. I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but there's a Disney movie called Aladdin. And it's just the, the premise of Aladdin is the princess needs to marry someone. And some king comes through, some prince comes through. He's riding on this white horse and he's wearing all these things. Well, Aladdin is just some rip guy in the streets. He finds a genie and he makes a wish. He says he wants to be a prince, and there's this huge scene, if you've ever seen the movie, where he comes into the city as a king. He's riding on an elephant, and there's dancers, and there's singers, and there's all this big pompous of this guy showing up, but that's not how our king entered. This isn't a normal entrance for a normal king. Because this is no normal king that we're discussing. You see, this is a lowly entrance, but this is the entrance that our king wanted. Because the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus our Savior, is all about the lowly. You see, he's all about those that are in the struggle. He's all about those who are the forgotten. He can identify with the lowly. And he wants to identify with each and every one of us today. Now, he walks in on a donkey. He comes in so that he can be the sacrifice for you and me on a donkey. But I want you to know that he's going to return one day, and he's not going to return on a donkey. He might have come in on that donkey as the sacrificial lamb, but he's coming back on a great white stallion and he's coming back to rule and reign and he's coming back to do exactly what the Jewish people thought he was going to do back then because he already accomplished what they didn't know he was going to do because the scripture says if they knew what he was going to do, they would not have crucified him because they didn't know what he was going to do. But one day, he is going to return, and he's going to do what they thought he was going to do. He is going to establish the throne of David on this earth, and he is going to get rid of the oppression of this world. Look at Revelations chapter 19. We're going to read 11 through 16, and look at this description. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a lowly donkey... No, 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 not our king. A white horse, and he being Jesus, who sat on him, praise God, was called faithful, and he was called true. And in righteousness, Jesus judges and makes war. Jesus' eyes were like the flame of fire, and on Jesus' head were not one, but many crowns. And Jesus had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. Time out right there. I want to remind you and I want to encourage you that what Jesus uses to strike the nations is the Word of God. And if the Word of God is strong enough and the only tool that Jesus has used to attack the oppression, then that is the same thing that you should be doing in your life right now. If it's good enough for God, it's good enough for you to speak His Word and get rid of the oppression in your life because He's coming back. On a white horse and out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And verse 16 says, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name that is written, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is my king. That is your savior who is coming back one day. But he entered in to Jerusalem on a lowly donkey. So we've talked about this man who was riding on the donkey. But today and next week, I want to actually talk about that donkey. If that donkey could speak... What would the donkey say? We see in the scriptures that a donkey has spoken before in the Old Testament. If that donkey could talk about that day and talk about that man, what would he have to say? You see, the donkey after that day, who was a baby, who might not have ever carried anything up to that point, who was tied up, who was still being trained, now gets to talk to the other donkeys Well, I know you've carried pots and pans. I know you've carried men and women. I know that you've even carried gold and treasures. You've gone to the market. You've gone and done these things, but I carried the man. I carried the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and I got the first row view of men and women bowing down and worshiping this man. I got to bring him in the stories that this donkey could tell. What could we learn from this donkey? So the title of this sermon today and next week is Life Lessons from a Donkey. I believe there are three life lessons that we can learn from this donkey who carried our Savior into Jerusalem, into the sacrifice on Palm Sunday. The first lesson that we'll talk about today and we'll talk about the other two next week is Jesus chose you for his purpose, because he needs you. If we could learn a life lesson from this donkey, the first one would be Jesus chose you for his purpose because he needs you. The second life lesson, Jesus has loosed you from limitations. And the third life lesson, Jesus is made visible by you for others to see. We'll talk about those other two. Jesus has loosed you from limitations, and Jesus has made, is made visible by you for others to see next week. But today, in our short amount of time, we're going to talk about Jesus chose you for his purpose because he needs you. In Luke chapter 19, in the middle of our story, in verse 31, Jesus is telling his disciples to go and find this donkey. And in Luke 19, verse 31, he says, And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. Because the Lord has need of it. A life lesson that we can learn from this donkey. Something that we can believe and hold in our hearts today is that Jesus chose me for his purpose Because Jesus needs me. Jesus chose me for his purpose because he needs me. Jesus chose you for his purpose because Jesus needs you. You see, there's a lie out there that we believe that God doesn't need anything. That God is sitting on his throne and he has everything he needs. Then why would Jesus choose you if he didn't need you? Why would God make the choice and go through all of this hassle to send his one and only son to die and pay a price for you if he didn't need you and me? He creates Adam. He creates Eve. And he goes on this journey for the rest of history to restore that relationship. And to restore that relationship in you and me. We had the work day yesterday yesterday. And all these family and friends showed up to help. We had people who decided that they wanted to paint. So in order for them to paint, they needed to choose the appropriate equipment so that they could get the task done. So people chose paintbrushes. We had people working on a door upstairs. So those men chose tools. We had people eating breakfast that Maddie made. So the tool that they chose was a fork or a spoon. We had people cleaning. They chose vacuums and brooms. People working on the plants outside, they used they chose dirt. They chose their hands. Each person chose what equipment to use because they had need of it to complete a task. They all chose the equipment Because it was needed to do the job. Jesus chose you because ultimately he's longing for you to choose him. He's waiting for you to choose him today. We talked about that a couple weeks ago to choose him. Jesus decided that he was going to give his life so that ultimately he believed that you would choose him. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, just as Jesus chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. What a beautiful scripture. God was not waiting for you to choose him before he made the decision to choose you. God is not up in heaven. Sitting there with his hands on his hips, looking out. I mean, I'm not going to do anything until they choose me. Nope, he's still busy. He's still focused on that. He's still focused on life. I'll go check on him in a couple days, but I'm not going to move. I'm not going to do anything. This scripture says that before the foundations of the earth were established, God already decided to choose you. Before you ever even had the opportunity to choose God, he said, I choose you. And look at how he decides to choose you in this scripture. He decides that you're going to be holy and without blame. I didn't choose that. I didn't ask for that. God decided before the foundations of the earth that he was going to choose you. And in that choice, he was going to make you holy and without blame. And he wasn't going to do that by making you work, making you follow a bunch of rules, follow a bunch of laws. He did that in love. You see, my love have limits. Your love has limits. But God is love, and his love is limitless. And he chose, before the world was even established, that he was going to send his son to die. And make a way for you to have an opportunity to choose him. He put himself completely out there. He said, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to choose all of humanity. Whether they accept me or not. And you have the opportunity to choose him today. Because Jesus chose you for his purpose. And he needs you. In John chapter 15 verse 16. Jesus is speaking. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. And that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Once again, we're showing the evidence of a God who is an abundant God. In this scripture, you did not choose me, but I chose you. That would be enough. That should be enough for God. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I made the decision. Okay, cool. That's good enough. And then he appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Once again, that should be enough. Thank you, God. Thank you that you chose me. Thank you that you gave me the opportunity to choose you. Thank you that you gave me the opportunity to be chosen by you, to choose you, and in the beginning of my life, I get to bear fruit. Thank you. But that's not God. Jesus is saying this, this is Jesus saying it, that you should bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, which means your fruit shouldn't rot, your fruit shouldn't die, it shouldn't be stinky and smelly, but you should be growing, bearing more fruit the more you get closer to God, the one who chose you, the journey that you go on. And on top of that, to put icing on the cake, oh, by the way, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. What a beautiful father. What a beautiful God who gave us. That as I realized that God chose me and he sent his son to die for me and to cover my sins and to help me and to restore me, that I get the opportunity. He's opened the door for heaven for me to choose him. And when I choose him, it says that he wants to help me bear fruit. That I don't fall back to the old ways, I don't deal with the same sins, I don't deal with the same struggles, I don't deal with the same addictions, that I bear fruit and that that fruit remains, that I don't look like what I look like before salvation. So many people talk about it, well, I got saved and I got on fire for God and then it just kind of burned out. No, 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 that's not how it works because it says your fruit's to remain, I'm to go from glory to glory. I'm to go from faith to faith. My relationship with God should be so much stronger and so much more powerful than it was because God's a good God. God made you who you are and where you are so that you could be you. God has placed you in this time period, in this place, in this family for such a time as this. God chose you just like he chose that donkey because he had need of that donkey and he needed that donkey to bring him somewhere. And God has need of you so that you can bring him somewhere. You can bring him to your spouse, you can bring him to your family, your kids, your job, your neighborhood, so that you can bring him everywhere you go. you can bring him on this journey in life and you're not gonna go back to the old ways. The last scripture I have, and I'll finish with this in John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus is speaking and he says, Most assuredly, I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Thank you, Father. What are the works that he did? He raised the dead, he healed the sick, he cast out demons, he made disciples. Miracles, signs, and wonders all over. If that was all that we had the opportunity to access, praise God, thank you. He will do also. And greater works than these you will also do because I go to my Father. Jesus chose you for his purpose because he needs you. He needs you to do works, not to get to heaven, not to obtain your salvation. He needs you to go out there and do the job. The church is called the body of Christ. And we all have a job and an important role to play on this earth. There are people that you can reach that I'll never talk to. And there are people that I can reach that you have no idea even exists. That God has used me and flown through me to speak. And the same is true for you. There are greater works that God has for you to do because he chose you for his purpose. And he needs you. Today, When you fully believe and accept that God chose you, you will notice that you will not struggle finding purpose in life. You're not going to wonder what the will of God is. When you know that God has called you, when God has chose you, and he needs you, and you can hear and recognize his voice, the doors are wide open. God will send you places that you never thought you would go. I never thought I'd end up in India on a missions trip. I never thought I'd be in Williston, South Carolina, pastoring a church. I never thought I'd be married to Maddie. I never thought I'd have kids. I never thought so many different things that God has brought me and brought me. As I've journeyed with Him, He keeps opening the doors and providing for me. Last thing I have, that is your purpose. He chose you, so you choose Him. And when you realize that he made the choice to choose you, and then you realize that you want to accept and choose him, everything falls in line. It dictates your actions. It dictates your talking. It dictates your attitude, your work ethic. It dictates everything. When you realize that you were chosen by him and that you chose him, and the reason he chose you, because he has a purpose and a plan for you, and it's good, and he needs you. The church needs you. God needs you to go out there and listen to his voice. Tomorrow you're going to be out and about. You're going to be at work. You're going to be at home. You're going to be at the grocery store. We're going to be at the baseball game. And if you're quiet for a second throughout the day and say, Lord, use me. Lord, let me talk to somebody today. Let me fulfill your purpose because I know you need me to do something. You'll be surprised when that phone rings. You'll be surprised when you see that text message. When you see somebody's name on social media, when you're pushing your cart down the aisle and you see somebody come down that aisle, where God will say, do this, say that, respond here. God chose you for his purpose because he needs you. And Next week, we'll talk about two more life lessons from the donkey, that Jesus has loosed you from limitations and Jesus is made visible by you so that others can see. Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you. That we can learn life lessons from all kind of things throughout your scriptures, including a donkey. Father, I thank you that as we go into this wonderful month celebrating your death, burial, and ultimately your resurrection, that we can look at this story today and see a life lesson. That we can be reminded that way before we were even born or thought of in our family line, God, you were thinking about us. God, you were thinking about Jeremiah Paul land from Lake Charles, Louisiana. You were thinking about these people, and you chose them. You chose to die for them. You chose to be buried in a tomb, and you chose to rise from the dead. And now it says that you're up in heaven, Jesus, and you choose to intercede for us. And you chose to send your Holy Spirit down to this earth to live inside of us, to help us on our journey in life. Father, I thank you for the people here. I thank you that they're blessed and highly favored. I thank you that they have the mind of Christ. I thank you that they're healed by the stripes of Jesus. I thank you that everything they put their hands to prospers. Father, I thank you that, every, that they are the salt and light of the earth, a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. Father, use us this week because we know you need us to establish your purpose here on life. That we want to do the great miracle signs and wonders that you did and we want to even do greater things that you told us we could do. So we step out in faith today knowing that we are going to be used by you and we're going to testify next week of the encounters that we had with people by bringing the message of love to them. Now, Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely next week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for coming. We'll see you all next Sunday. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PressChurchSC and have a great week.